1: In London, this is The Economist. You're listening to Tasting Menu, the cream of the crop of this week's stories. I'm Richard Cockett, a senior editor at The Economist. And on your menu this week, Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister of Canada, explains how to stand up to Donald Trump. For remote villages in rural China, receiving express delivery by drone. And we all know football is the beautiful game. But is it a religion, a science, or the finest of arts? But we start with our cover story. Tomorrow, the leaders of the United States and North Korea sit down together to discuss peace and denuclearization. Ahead of this historic occasion, The Economist took a long, hard look at Donald Trump's foreign policy.
0: Picture this. Next week in Singapore, President Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un crown their summit with a pledge to rid the Korean peninsula of nuclear weapons. A few days later, America and China step back from a trade war, promising to settle their differences. And in the summer, as sanctions bite, the streets of Tehran rise up to cast off the Iranian regime.
1: Just how likely is this? True, America's total military, cultural and economic power is still unmatched.
0: Obviously, that power is there to be exploited, which is why every president, including Mr. Obama, has used it to get his way abroad. But it is hard to think of a president who bullies as gleefully as Mr. Trump. No other modern president has routinely treated America's partners so shoddily or eschewed the idea of leading through alliances. None has so conspicuously failed to clothe the application of coercive power in the claim to be acting for the global
1: good. Successful foreign policy is an art. We argued that Mr. Trump treats it like a demolition job.
0: He is wrong to think that every winner creates a loser or that a trade deficit signifies a bad deal. He is wrong, too, to think that America loses by taking on the costs of global leadership and submitting itself to
1: rules. We wrote that his wrecking ball approach cannot avoid damaging America and the wider world.
0: Four years will spread anarchy and hostility. The trading system will be unable to enforce old rules or forge new ones. Short of a war with, say, Russia, America's allies will be less inclined to follow its lead. In Europe, more voices may complain that sanctions against Russia are harmful. In Asia, countries may hedge against America's unreliability by cozying up to China or by arming themselves, accelerating a destabilizing arms race. If a master negotiator can't see what he's losing, how can he get a good deal for his country? Mr. Trump prefers to fall back on the old idea that might is right. His impulses may begin to impose a new geopolitics, but they will not serve America or the world for long. America first today. In the long run, America
1: alone. America's nearest neighbours have been hit hard by Mr. Trump's new tariffs on steel and aluminium. Our diplomatic editor, Daniel Franklin, asked Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister of Canada, how he protects Canadian interests against his country's biggest trading partner. A perfect example is, is this idea of a sunset clause on a trade deal. I mean, having a trade deal that terminates unless it is actively renewed every five years, is simply not a trade deal at all. And we've been very clear, no deal uh, is better than a bad deal, and we will, uh, we will be very firm on that. So when President Trump, as he did uh, just recently, calls mm-hmm. Canada very difficult to deal with, very spoiled, do you take that as a compliment? Um, I, I, I take that as an expression that... He uh, understands that uh, we are standing up for our interests and not uh, allowing ourselves to be uh, intimidated by the the difference in scale between our, our economies. You can listen to the rest of that interview on The Week Ahead, our Current Affairs podcast. But our latest guest on The Economist Asks, our chat show, thinks Mr Trump is the least of America's worries. Kishore Mabubani was Singapore's representative on the UN Security Council. He is now professor of public policy at the country's national university and the author of Has the West Lost It? I see Donald Trump as
2: a passing phenomenon. When I was in Davos this year, the most impressive speaker was Macron. I can imagine a figure like Macron emerging uh, in America. I don't know who it be. So I can see America swinging back to the center. So I don't see Donald Trump as the problem. A bigger problem is that the American liberal intelligentsia doesn't understand the world and hasn't prepared the American population to deal with this new world. And that I see as an even bigger problem because that creates
1: a unique kind of uh, isolationism And Professor Mbabubani is currently taking part in an online debate as part of The Economist's Open Future season. The question is, should the West worry about the threat China's rise poses to liberal ideology? He thinks not. You can follow the debate and vote for the winner at debates.economist.com. Gratefully leaving behind the world of men for a moment now, have a listen to this from the latest episode of Babbage, our science and technology podcast. You probably guessed that those were dolphins. But how many of you know what they were saying? Because those dolphins were saying their names. While scientists have actually known for a while that dolphins give themselves names, they used to think that close-knit groups would adopt similar ones like a team. But as our correspondent Chiara Eisner explained, new research suggests dolphins might be almost as keen on individual identity as humans. So it seems to be similar to the, the human phenomena of siblings. When you have siblings really, really close in age, sometimes you see that they completely diverge in personalities to stick out from each other. But from what we know about the names, we can tell that they're actually quite different from the way that humans communicate in the sense that one of these dolphins that they studied repeated their names 80 times, one after another, just Joe, 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 Joe. So they, they definitely don't stick to all of our rules. Let's turn back to this week's paper now. In our business section, our correspondent spotted a dark speck on the far horizon. Is it a bird? Is it a plane? Turns out it's probably your groceries. Late on a Monday morning, the
2: village of Zhangwei is quiet. Chickens scratch and cluck at the side of the road. A low whirr breaks the stillness. The drone arrives overhead with a roar. Slung beneath it is a red cardboard box. Just a few feet above the ground, the drone drops the box, then zips back up into the sky and disappears. The spectacle is over in 20 seconds.
1: This is the world's first working drone delivery programme, run by J.D., a Chinese e-commerce giant. While
2: Amazon, an American company, has put out numerous promotional videos on its drone delivery plans, it will not start commercial operations until at least 2020. Meanwhile, JD.com has spent the past year building a real drone delivery network
1: covering 100 villages in rural China with 40 drones. These remote villages suddenly have access to a brave new world of online shopping. Once the drone's cargo hits the ground, its contents pass over to the drone postman
2: for delivery. In Zhang Wei, JD's local promoter, Zhang Xiaoyan, takes possession and rings the owners of the packages to see if they are at home. Only one is, so he leaves the other two at the local shop and sets off on foot to the Zhang household. The son, who placed the order, is not at home, so his mother accepts it
1: for him. It is a phone case ordered the previous day. Manna from Heaven Meanwhile, this week's obituary remembered the man who discovered one of China's greatest treasures, not in the air but under the earth. Zhao Kungmin was the curator of a small local museum. But one glorious day 40 years ago, he found the terracotta warriors.
0: When he was called out in April 1974 to look at some relics found in a nearby wheat field almost flying from his bicycle with excitement, he knew at once what they were. He reverently gathered up the dead limbs down to the tiniest fragments, wrapped them in linen, and took them to his museum. Over the next three days, using epoxy glue and plaster, he pieced together two warriors. They towered over him. They were just the advance guard. He joined the team that eventually uncovered three huge pits filled with around 8,000 infantrymen, officers, and archers, 520 horses, 130 chariots and real sharp weapons. In 1979, the Museum of the Terracotta Warriors and Horses was opened above the pits. By 2017,
1: it had drawn 100 million visitors. But nowhere in that shiny new museum was there any mention of Mr Zhao. Five kilometres away,
0: Mr Zhao sat beside his mended warriors in a darkened room of his museum, waiting. He had redesigned the building in the 1980s in brightly painted traditional style, expecting a crowd of visitors, but few came, save his wife most days with his lunch of steamed buns.
1: And finally, from ancient masterpieces, we turn to a very modern fine art. In our Books and Art section our correspondent meditated on the beautiful game.
3: With its mortifications and sense of worldwide communion, the World Cup, which begins on June 14th, is a kind of global religion. It is a form of soft diplomacy and a safe outlet for nationalism. For many fans, it is a potent quadrennial Madeleine, each tournament summoning memories of previous ones, the lost friends with whom they were watched, past selves.
1: Football offers heroes, villains, and the chance of redemption.
3: Rarely have a character's base and noble traits collided as they did at the World Cup of 1986, in which Diego Maradona ascended from infamy to sublimity in a single game. First, he surreptitiously punched the ball into the net, the hand of God, he called it afterwards. For the second goal, he seemed to function on a different plane to the hapless Englishman, Together they form a diptych as dramatic as Scrooge's Enlightenment or Darth Vader's conversion. And though there must always
1: be winners and losers, there is also mystery. It is 1966 and England face West Germany in the final at Wembley Stadium.
3: With the scores level in extra time, a shot by Geoff Hurst, England's striker, rattled the crossbar and bounced down over the goal line. Or perhaps it didn't. The German players claim to have seen chalk dust, indicating that the ball hit the line and thus that the goal should not be given. Just as Hamlet's psychology and the Mona Lisa's smile become more enigmatic with each viewing, however many times you watch Mr Hurst's shot, you can never know for sure.
1: That's the final whistle for this week's tasting menu. Remember, you can get more of all the stories you've sampled here online at economist.com or through your podcast app. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review. It makes all the difference. I'm Richard Cockett. In London, this is The Economist.
3: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer.